Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. If you're new to the sport of triathlon, here's your chance to get into a coaching program at a super price. It's the TriJoy Try for 50 promotion. You get a one-on-one consultation, a four-week training program, and a weekly email access to a TriJoy coach for only $50 a month. That's TriJoy Try for 50 promotion. See the TriJoy link on the Fitspeak page for more information. And we're also brought to you by Cedar Valley Massage and Wellness Clinic, offering massage therapy, chiropractic care, and psychological services. See them at cedarvalleymassage.ca. And we're also brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mountain and Mission. Be listening for the Wenting's Word of the Week for your chance to win a prize. You hear the word and you say it to Leah, Elizabeth, Bruce, or Dylan the next time you are at Wenting's, and you win a prize. It's just that easy. On the program today, installment seven of Bob's Bits, we will also have our upcoming event schedule, which is epic and amazing. Plus, we will have our part one of our feature interview with F2C owner and CEO, Greg Cowan. Well, here we are, Kevin Watt. It's a beautiful, finally a beautiful Wednesday night in the Fraser Valley. You and I are inside and we're missing our third partner, Zach Newfeld. Do you know where he is tonight? I Apparently he's finishing up at the the time trials. He's I think, he's right abandoned now. us. He's decided he's... to heck with Fitspeak while he's actually on route. Uh, <laughs> I just got an email message, and Zach will be here to uh, put in his two bits, including between the ears. But yeah, he's off doing the uh, weekly Wednesday night time trial out at Hoogan Park as part of the. Uh, Abbotsford Triathlons Club series for the time trial, not to be confused with Phoenix Velo, which holds theirs on Thursday, which I had the uh, misfortune of uh, attending last week and just getting creamed. So I'll start out the shout outs a little bit early to all those folks, including the crew from Just Giver Racing. They were back in full force representing themselves uh, really well. And also uh, Randy from Mission, who uh, Put the boots to me in a good way with a smile, so it's good to see him on on pretty good form. What's new uh, in your neck of the woods, Kevin Watt? What is new? Well, uh, the sun is shining, and it's going to be sh- shining till <laughs> luckily probably 20 after 9, so we're in high time, the peak season of... Um, the good times and endurance and stuff like that. Uh, this past weekend was f- action-packed. Uh, I was... I was, uh, you're back on the bike. Well, getting back on that bike. Um, I was doing a lot of volunteering and helping out United Velo hosted their first masters race, uh, this, uh, past weekend on the Saturday, there was, uh, roughly 45, uh, participants, awesome turnout, uh, perfect weather, perfect conditions. There was maybe kind of unlike the spring series where things were contending with rain or even better still snow. Correct. No, this was the opposite. Uh, I didn't race. I volunteered and I marshaled a couple corners. And uh, so we definitely had our work cut out for us there. We uh, heard an interesting time with a motorcycle and some farm implements. Yes. Uh, yeah, we did. We probably <laughs> don't want to discuss that. Nevertheless, I had nothing to do with uh, the racers or the event. So we're quite pleased with that. And we had a lot of positive feedback from the farmers who were uh, <laughs> 
pretty important to to uh, to the race, um, and uh, so we got a lot of good feedback. We also had a big ride on Monday for the positive spin. So what's this, what's the positive spin again? Well, this positive spin is uh, an event that's going to be held on June twenty fourth um, out in Yarrow, and it's to raise awareness to mental health. Crystal Lambert uh, wanted to. Uh, organize just a for fun group ride just kind of go check the do a preview of the course and uh, you know help get the word out there so we had uh, roughly 35 riders attend um, we had the two different distances going 100k and 200k and uh, the weather was beautiful it was gorgeous a lot of lot of uh, good times out on the bike this weekend here so you put on the miles up Pre-shout out to Dan McLaughlin, who was uh, speaking with me at the Phoenix Velo event uh, on the track on Wednesday. He said he uh, he's you know he's participating in a bunch of things. One of the things he's participating in is Crystal's Positive Spin, but he's also one of those uh, epic people who has signed up for the Terry Fox 360 ride, which is happening uh, later on this summer. So he uh, he was telling me he's gonna put in 600 kilometers over the weekend. So Dan, if you're listening, we want to know did you do it? Um, Speaking of other people, as we mentioned at the top of the program, Zach Newfeld not here. He's doing a time trial, but uh, Zach and I were uh, actually uh, shooting it out a little bit earlier in the month, and we were out in the beautiful community of Nanaimo on not such a beautiful day. That was way back uh, two weeks ago for the dynamic race events, Westwood Triathlon, and those are going to be some of the race results we're talking about. Right now, I think Kevin Watt has been preparing feverishly over the past couple of weeks. He's got a bunch of people that he would like to salute in his weekly shout-outs. Here's Kevin. Hey, Fitzbeak fans, uh, we do have shout-outs. Uh, we're getting a lot of really great feedback out on the um, Instagram page, so we got a few shout-outs going out to uh, our followers here. Uh, we got a new photo sharing platform that is uh, aligning with FitSpeak, and they are based out of Fort Langley. You got to check them out. They're really awesome. Their um, their Instagram is iPolPolPhotos. Check them out. You can find us on find them on uh, <laughs> Instagram here. Um, along with uh, Ryan Shepherd 17, he's the local Bionic Runner runner uh, based out of the Abbey Trail Running Club. Uh, another. Uh, natural, all-natural runner based out of the Abbey Trail Running Club is Rod Gundrum, uh, plant-powered. Bow- now when you say all-natural, is this running in the nude or what? <laughs> Let's hope not. No, I, I think that he's plant-powered, so uh, that's more along the lines of his idea of being natural. <laughs> so no bacon. No, no peas and carrots either, thankfully. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, you know, and and while you guys are at it, why not check out the Abbey Trail Running Club on the Facebook page? Great outfit based out of Abbotsford, of course. Um, And along with that, they, I believe, uh, are putting on a ladies clinic as well. So something else to check out. Out of Poco, uh, the local uh, local running machine is J Wolf Fit. Uh, check her out. She's got lots of great uh, photos up on her Instagram page. And uh, last but not least, uh, through the FitSpeak uh, Instagram page, we have connected with a, a, a guy out of uh, Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. OG Jace 48. 
uh, I just want to send out a special special message to him. I just want to let him know that Fitspeak and their listeners and Instagram followers are sending out uh, their energy and uh, and uh, and their love to you and your family in this. Um, uh, so that's it for the Instagram shoutouts. Guess what? That's the doorbell, and that is Zach. We'll be back right after this. So I did kid you not, it was Zach, fresh from the Abbotsford Triathlon Club's Wednesday night time trial. Um, he was late for that, and he was late for Fitspeak, but it's all good because he's here now. Welcome back to the Fitspeak studio, Zach. So tell us a little bit about tonight's time trial. Oh boy, uh, we had quite a few. We had quite a few people out, and um, I didn't get to compete against the other people, but we had some really good times today, which uh, I'm hoping I can beat coming soon. Speak, okay. Speaking of beating people, uh, this fella right here, uh, we did the Westwood Lake Triathlon a couple of weeks ago. That was on yes, Sunday, May 21st. And uh, we both had fairly good races. Uh, Zach had a little bit of a better race than me by, I think it was... Five seconds. Five. I was going to say eight, <laughs> but five seconds. It was cool. I'm just giving that to you. Mm-hmm. So what was your day like? Um, on race day, uh, Westwood Lake mm, started cold. Um I was kind of glad for that extra layer of fat that I have, and uh, one of our coaches didn't, not not you. <laughs> He's a very uh, lean machine. Very lean machine, uh, Coach Mikey. So I actually swam with him out of the water at the same time, and I was able to kind of keep ahead of him on the bike till he finally passed me, and then I didn't see him since, since then. Interesting. He got you, he got you on the bike. He got me on the bike, and uh, Kevin actually passed me on the run. And I Momentarily. Was thinking, I, can't, or... <laughs> I can't take this, so... <laughs> So I, I had to hunt you down. What do you think was happening on your bike when Mike was passing you? Um, those hills were pretty, pretty vicious. I think heading up and down uh, the hills, I went out pretty hard. I think maybe if I, uh, uh, didn't go out quite so hard, I might have had more mm -hmm. uh, at, near the end of the 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 hilly route. But um, I think I just need to train more on the bike. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and that, that's the other thing too. Going out too too hard in the the first part of it, right? You you kind of got to find that nice little balance exactly and then destroy towards the end so i was talking about zach doing the westwood lake triathlon we talked about mikey but uh certainly a huge contingent of uh fraser valley athletes so here we're going to tell you about it grab a cup of your favorite beverage hold on here come the race results from westwood lake so our first race was the sprint distance featuring a 750 meter swim 20k bike and a five kilometer run taking the overall top three were Alexander Walker. He came in overall first with an overall time of one hour and 10 minutes. Second was a friend of Fitspeak who is recovering from a bit of a unfortunate incident. He's in the hospital now or hopefully out. Martin Caron came second in 112 and capturing third overall in the sprint, Rob Brunel in 114. Over in the female sprint division, the overall champion was Chilliwack's F2C ambassador, Brittany Dunbar, in one hour and 27 minutes. Silver was Courtney Smart, 
13 minutes back. And taking third overall for the women in the sprint was Cindy Magby in 1.33. Now it's age group time, kicking off with a female 30-39 to 39 division. Taking first was Dana Kawas in 1.50. Female 40-49 to 49 winner was Cindy Maybe in 1.33. And ATC coach Erica Thompson claimed silver just 90 seconds back. Uh, rather, the female 50 to 59 age group was won by Judy Richardson in 154. For the men in the sprint, winning the 20 to 29 was Alexander Walker in 110. 30 to 39 was your second overall, Rob Brunell in 114. And silver was the ever smiling Winston Gao. Four minutes back. In the men's 40 to 49, the winner, Martin Curran, who also got the win there in the podium. 50 to 59 male winner was Dwayne Emmerich in 121. Bill Newman got the win in the 60 to 69 with a time of 123. Um, let's stick with the men and go over to the Olympic distance, which at Westwood was about, notice about a 1500 meter swim, a 38 kilometer bike, but as Zach was saying, very hilly and an 11-kilometer run. No stranger to the winner's circle. Overall, Vancouver's Adam O'Meara won it handily in uh, 2 hours, 10 minutes, and 1 seconds. Only 6 seconds back for Silver, Robert Johnson. It was a tough battle. They were battling back and forth all day, so Johnson came second, and taking third was Joel Lutz, in a time of 2.22. Going now into the men's Olympic age group, uh, capturing first in the 20 to 24 was none other than Fitzpeak's own... Zach Newfeld. In That's a time me. of... Do you know your time? I don't even know what my time was at the moment. Two hours and what Four, was it, 50? 43 minutes. 43. Yes. In the 20 to 25, Derek Juno in 2.28. <laughs> 30 to 34 age group was John Vanderween in 2.25. It was tough to go under two and a half hours there. These guys are fast. And by the way, just missing out in the podium, taking fifth was Abbotsford Triathlon Club's head of engineering, Alan Fossum. He went 2.47. Men's Olympic 30 to 39 winner and overall winner of the race, as mentioned, Adam O'Meara, followed closely by Robert Johnson, both in two hours and 10 minutes, only a six second gap there. The 40 to 44 gold men's was the dude who took third overall, Joel Lutz from Vancouver in 2.22. Second was David Bush in 3.04. And only 20 seconds back of him was Abbotsford Triathlon Club's Darren Coop, who this time suffered no mechanical issues. Way to go there, Darren. He also went 3.04. In the men's 40-49, to 49, men's winner was ATC Recruit. Greg Ambrosi in 2.36. Silver was Mike Sanders in 2.49. Uh, Abbotsford Triathlon Club's Tech King and Podium Virgin. Vince DeMano got third in 2.53. And nailing fifth was ATC coach Brian Wilkinson. In the men's 50-54 to 54, taking gold was Bruce Schlatter in 2.37. Silver was Richard Hayden in 2.41. And rounding out the podium, third place was, yes, myself, 90 seconds back. In the 50 to 59, the men's winner was Keith Kendall in 2.53. In the 60 to 64 for the men's Olympic division was ATC's coach Planet Mikey Ross in a suspicious, no, 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 not suspicious. This was very legit. 2.39.
60 to 69 winner, another ATC member, Paul Philippi, in a time of three hours and three minutes. Let's go over to the female Olympic division. Our overall was win one rather by Lindsay Glassford. She went two hours, 42 minutes. Second, Chilliwack's Angela froze in two hours and 45 minutes and getting bronze in the overall female was Alicia Bulmer in 247. So fairly close there in the overall for the females. Into the age group rankings, first off, 25 to 29, and the overall winner was Lindsay Glassford, 30 to 34 winner, Mallory Troop in 259, and showing a best-in-class run was Christina Paul. Hi, Christina, 15 minutes off the pace. Female Olympic 35 to 39 winner was Alicia Bulmer in 247, 40 to 49. We saw Angela Froze winning her age group in 245, 45 to 49 female was Nikki Joma in 309. The 50 to 54 was surely meeting in a time of three hours and 20 minutes. And check this out in an amazing time of two hours and 59 minutes and taking first in the Olympic div uh, division for the women for 50 to 59 was Barb What's happening in Italia these days, Kevin? Well, for the past couple of weeks, the big bike race there called the Giro d'Italia has been taking place. A lot of high-caliber racing teams, high-caliber cyclists. Of course, the Giro d'Italia, which this year is celebrating its 100th anniversary, is Woo! the first of the three major Grand Tours in Europe. Of course, we start off in the month of May wearing pink in Italy, and then we transfer to the month of July wearing yellow, of course, the Tour de France, which is probably the most cycling, uh, famous cycling race in the world and then of course in the month of September we have the Vuelta de Espana. And isn't it true we have a Canadian cyclist competing these days? Yeah in fact uh, today's date here we are on the um, 24th of May Canadian Mike Woods came in ninth overall in stage 17. So awesome. things are looking pretty good for Canada. A reminder for our Fitspeak listeners that it was Ryder Hegel from Victoria, the last Canadian to claim first in a major Grand Tour, was at the Giro about four or five years ago. Why am I feeling like Bob Roll here? Now do your Phil Legadam <laughs> impression. No, that's it. Oh, you know what? Wenting's Word of the Week. We've totally neglected it, but it ties in with the Giro. Zach, what is that Word of the Week? G-I-R-O. Giro. So mention that to any member of the staff at Wenting Cycle Admission and you will get your prize. It's just that simple. Zach, one more time, the Wenting's Word of the Week. Giro. The world of sports nutrition is a pretty big business, especially with the rise in popularity of endurance sports. It all really started with Gatorade in the 1960s and 1970s, and then later on with companies like Powerade and Power Bar. Now, some 30 years later, a Pitt Meadows company is making a name for themselves. F2C, formerly known as PhD Nutrition, was not only the on-course beverage at last year's Challenge Penticton, but also at the 70.3 Triathlon World Championships. In part one of our two-part interview with FTC owner and mad scientist Greg Cowan, we hear about his motivations for starting the company and the relationship he has with his sponsored athletes. So Greg, can you tell us why you started your company? Well, you know, I've been in the industry for about 35 years and, you know, I looked at a lot of different brands and I raced Ironman back, you know, in the early 2000s and I had a real challenge with nutrition. You know, I understood nutrition, but at that point there was really... 
I found nothing good, nothing that really worked for me. And then talking to people, there was just a real lack of quality nutrition out there. So when you say nothing good, what do you mean by that? Well, nothing that would that would absorb. You know, I think it was a common problem that I think a lot of athletes still have is that, you know, they get into that bike, you know, they try to hammer down as much, you know, calories and nutrition as they can, and they get on to the run course and GI issues start. And that's what I experienced, you know, as an athlete when I was doing it, you know, I had constant GI issues. I couldn't find things that actually absorbed, things that actually worked for my body. So that was kind of the the incentive to get something, you know, being in the industry, I thought I could make something that would actually work if I we put our minds to it. And it has so far. Another question, um, F2C, rebrand of PhD Fitness. Um, what's the reason for the rebranding? Well, you know, it's kind of a funny story. You know, we started PhD about 15 years ago, and it was predominantly built uh, in Europe. My partner was based out of the UK. And in that time, you know, 15 years ago, we started and we focused a lot on um, on rugby, um, football, or soccer as we know it, um, bodybuilding, more of those European-style team sports. And um, we do very, very well in that category in Europe. You know, we supply Man U and Arsenal and a number of those major um you know, international teams in those categories, but we were never able to tap into the, the endurance market over there. The endurance guys would look at it and go, you know, you're the, the rugby company, you're the soccer company, how could you possibly make anything for me? And, you know, we worked on that for, for several years trying to tap into that European market and it just didn't work. And uh, we kind of sat down and, you know, at the end of last year and decided, you know, a strategy and we decided on name change. We're going to do it as a, you know, more of a three-year rebranding where we would kind of separate out the endurance category from PhD. And then we just made the decision, you know, going into, um, you know, last year we were the official nutrition provider, the official recovery partner for uh, the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in Australia. And as we were coming into that race, we thought, you know, we just, we have such a global market coming to this race. You know, we needed to make sure that we branded properly. And we just weren't able to get any traction with PhD as an endurance brand. So we decided to make the, the change and move F2C as the endurance part. So you say you've been involved with this um, industry for about 35 years. Um, what did you do before then? Um, pretty much that was school. That was high school. <laughs> it, was, it was my part-time job, you know, um, as it's probably even longer. I was, I was 12 years old. You know, my best friend's parents owned a health food distribution company. And we used to get off the bus, you know, at, at the end of school. And we'd repack, you know, eggs into cartons and labeled cheese and you know, help pick orders and things like that. So that was my part-time job, you know, from 12 years, I think I was 12 years old. And I kind of did that all the way through my schooling. And then, um, you know, kind of a long time, I was, I was actually going to be a police officer. I've told this to a couple of guys, you know, that are, are cops, you know, and we had these funny conversations about that. And I, that's what I was going to do. I took all my schooling to, to get into policing and got accepted in university, you know, in criminology for policing. And Back in those days, they had uh, cadet programs for um, for students where they could get involved with, with the police departments. And uh, I applied at all of them, and I got turned down at all of them. And they said, you know, we really liked you, but you've got way too many speeding tickets. You know, So I had to look for a new job. So I, I liked the industry. I always liked the people in this natural product industry. So I, I started you know, a distribution company out of the back of my minivan in Ontario um, at 18. You know, and I, I got to ask, so... Um the distribution end is, is, is interesting, but do you have any good stories to tell us about the mad scientist or the mad chemist at work with some, some of your early concoctions and how well or perhaps how not so well they worked? Yeah, it, it was a long process, you know, and like I said, I've been in the manufacturing part of it now for, for 32 years. And, um, 
you know, we've had some really good successes, you know, and, and I am truly the mad scientist. You know, I, I design, you know, about 90% of our products. I'm not the best flavoring guy. You know, I've got people that do that. But, you know, the main formulas and the development of the technology and the patents and the formulas are stuff that I do. And, um, we, you know, we've had some really good successes. We've got some great patents. You know, we've developed some really unique products, you know, for other categories. You know, we have a patent for um, a nutrition delivery system that was um, studied on uh, cancer patients going through chemo and radiation to be able to deliver nutrients into their systems. That was a technology that we've now adapted into one of our race products, you know, that we use for racing now. Mm. So. so you own your own company and have for quite some time being a... Uh, your own boss, so to speak, advantages and disadvantages. Uh, what's an average day look like for you? Well, you know, because of a global company and where we, we live here, you know, I work, typically work late into the night. You know, I deal with Australia. We have a, a warehouse in Australia as well. So I'm typically dealing with Australia up until about 11 o'clock or midnight, you know. So typically it's, you know, up in the morning, you know, East Coast time. So, you know, the phone starts ringing at 5 o'clock here. And um, when sleep, that short window, that five hour <laughs> window or six hour window in between. So the, the best sleep is when I travel because then nobody can find me. <laughs> so. Um, so you've been involved in athletics before. We we're talking a bit about your early experiences in Ironman in the early 2000s. Uh, growing up, uh, what sorts of sports were you into? Growing up, it was more football. You know, where I grew up in, in southern Ontario, you know, triathlon really wasn't a thing you know that's really until I came out here you know in uh, in like the late 90s before I really even really saw much in triathlon so I played football you know as a younger person I was involved in auto racing I raced cars for for many years um, that was kind of a passion you know I guess that's how I got all so many speeding tickets I'm guessing <laughs> but uh, yeah you know it, it was mostly football growing up and you know I never really I never really ran until I came out here you know and it was just it's, it's so beautiful there's lots of places to run here. So your first place uh, in the lower mainland was Maple Ridge area? Mission, yeah. I, I moved, that's where we moved to uh, when I came from Ontario, you know, um, back in, in the 90s when, you know, the economy was horrible in Ontario and everybody left. And um, we, uh, we had actually dis the distribution company at that point. And uh, we were looking at expanding. And uh, funny story, I had actually hired a sales rep from Ontario, moved him out here uh, right before one of the trade shows. And we had a great trade show and, you know, then I would call and I could never get a hold of the guy. You know, he would never answer his phone. It would always be four or five hours later. He would finally respond. And this went on for months and we could see the sales were dropping. So basically I got in the car, you know, I, I flew out, you know, got in a rental car, parked in front of his house and waited for him, you know, and I'm watching him load his golf clubs into the trunk of his car. And uh, I called him and he finally answered his phone. He said, oh, I'm just downtown, you know, a really busy day, just getting some samples for somebody. You know, I, I really got to go. And I said, hey, you know, turn around, Victor. And I waved to him. Oh, and, and then I fired Victor. Busted. Yeah, busted. So uh, that was my first time I'd ever left the corridor between, you know, the airport and the convention center. I'd never, you know, been out of that area, out of the lower mainland. And um, so his, his Monday was due to go to the Kootenays. That he was due to be in Nelson on the Monday morning. So... I got in my rental car and, uh, you know, I got my map out and, and started driving east. And I was just blown away. Just, you know, coming from Ontario, it was just so different. It was just so beautiful. And, you know, sitting in Ainsworth Hot Springs in a hot tub, you know, looking over the glacier-fed lake and the snow-capped mountains. And there's gray, snowy, cold Ontario. It, was, it wasn't a hard sell, uh -huh. you know. And uh, we basically moved out, you know, shortly after that. We opened up a warehouse out here and a manufacturing plant here. 
So at the time you were a little bit into running or was that something no. that came in once you moved to Mission? Yeah, it was really more after that. You know, when I first came out, you know, we, uh, I commuted back and forth a lot. You know, the, the main business was in Ontario. So I was back and forth, you know, I was two weeks in Ontario, two weeks out here. A lot of traveling. It was really, it wasn't until I actually sold the distribution company in, in late 2000 and, you know, semi-retired for a short period of time mm. that I actually got into running uh, for lack of nothing else to do. How did you make the transition from running to doing an Ironman? Yeah, it's funny. Just the people I was hanging out with, uh, the run club, you know, was um, out of Peninsula Runners in White Rock is where I started running, you know, and, and the coach that I had there. And a lot of the people going to that run club were doing triathlons, you know, and they said, well, you should, you should come riding. So, you know, I, I bought a bike and started riding and, you know, just it just seemed like a, it was a great thing. There was great people. And, you know, a few of the friends that I had at that point, you know, that are, are still friends today are, you know, got me involved in it. Friends like who? Uh, Jim Hines. Uh, I think he works with um, with BC, BC Athletics, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he was kind of my original run coach. And uh, Wayne, who owns uh, one of the running stores up in Kamloops now, uh, he worked at Peninsula at the time. So those were kind of my two running coaches. And they got me involved in, in triathlon. And, uh, you know, I did a few triathlons, um, a few Ironmans back in, you know, the early 2000s, and then got injured. Um, probably just for a lack of a lot of other things, lack of nutrition, lack of other things that I just wasn't quite doing right, you know, not quite all the right pieces together. And then, you know, then business got in the way again, you know, focused on business. And so I've been back training again and I'm going to race again, just, you know, just turned 50. So, you know, going to... What's that race going to be? Well, I, it's funny. I actually got hurt again, you know, in the fall. So I just had surgery two weeks ago. I just had hernia, hernia surgery. Hernia surgery. So I, I had a ruptured hernia um, in December, which uh, kind of knocked me out. I was supposed to race 70.3 Dubai in January. So we had to postpone all of that. And then I found a great surgeon that's also a triathlete that got me in, you know, moved me from, uh, you know. Want to do some name dropping? Who's that? Oh, I don't know whether I should or not. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, because he moved me ahead. Way I, ahead in the I had my so. surgery back in 2010. So I, no name? Uh, Dr. Conkin. Okay. Conkin, great guy. Really, really nice guy. He looked after me. So uh, I'm going to ride tonight. So this will be my first ride. And I was trying, you know, I went out a couple times and I just, it was with the hernia. It was just, it was painful and it would come out, you know, it was all kinds of issues that went along with that. So that kind of slowed all that down again. So it's hard, you know, we're right in the midst of the season now, you know, we have so many events, you know, I think, you know, basically starting last weekend at, you know, the 70.3 St. George, Utah, you know, was kind of the start of the main race season, you know, where we're involved with sponsorships and where we've got athletes out. So I think, you know, probably it's going to be training. It'll probably be the fall before I, I get something in again. I haven't quite figured. I'm going to race, um, I'm going to race Dubai. I'm going to race actually Bahrain in uh, December. I'm going to go there because we're actually sponsoring that race. So I'm going to be there anyways. And that was one of the ones on my list, you know, to do. So we'll, we'll do Bahrain in December. But, you know, I'll probably try to get a couple more in um, sometime before then. I think probably Barrelman in uh, Niagara, Niagara Falls. Falls. yes. We're a sponsor of that yeah. one. We're the on-course nutrition provider. Is that kind of like hometown area for It you? is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I grew up in southern Ontario. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, And it's just, it's a gorgeous race. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a cool race to do. That is um, a beautiful venue, really well organized. So if you want to... Leave the Lower Mainland Fitspeak listeners. You heard it here first. Barrelman, Niagara Falls, and that's in the month of September. September. Um, We were talking a little bit earlier about connections with surgeons, but you obviously have connections with uh, some of the best triathletes in the world. Brent McMahon comes 
to mind. There's also some others. Um, could you tell us about your connections with your sponsored athletes? Um, perhaps maybe you can tell us their names and what your expectations are in a sponsorship relationship. You know, we, we've got some amazing athletes. And I think, you know, a lot of our athletes have approached us, which kind of is different. You know, a little different approach. I'm not, you know, we're not a, a massive company like Gatorade. You know, we just don't throw money out at, at people, you know. And, and the things that I've learned, obviously, is, um, you know, companies like that have lots of money and they'll just buy their name on things. They'll buy the bottles. You know, they don't really care whether you, they athletes use their product or not, as long as, you know, you're using a Gatorade bottle. I shouldn't use names. I get sued for that. Um, big company names like that, you know, we'll use that. So they're willing to, you know, to pay big monies to have their bottles, to have their their jugs, you know, on sports fields and things like that. But, you know, um, we really want to make sure our athletes are using our product. We want to make sure that they are truly in love with, you know, what we're doing, you know, with the technology we've developed and the results that they get. And, you know, that's really the first criteria behind, you know, ever talking to any athlete is, you know, they've got to be a fan of our product. They've, they really have to approach us. You know, we've not really chased anybody. Everybody that we have has been people that have come to us and said, you know, we've had great success with your products. You know, they So who are some of those names? Well, you know, Brent is obviously, you know, is a big one for us. He's one of our original athletes. I think he's, you know, probably either the first or the second athlete we've ever brought on board. And, you know, he's a, a huge advocate. He uses, you know, basically the full line, you know, and he's passionate about it. You know, he's he's got his favorite flavors. And, you know, he sat in our booth in St. George, you know, um, Utah last weekend. And, uh, you know, his greens are Farmer Greens products. He's a huge fan of Farmer Greens. And his, his favorite flavor is green apple. And he sold... You know, we, we only brought 12 units because it's a good seller for us, but it's not our number one seller. He sold all 12 bottles in that 40 minutes he was sitting in the booth, you know, because everybody wanted to know what Brent used. And, you know, that's what he uses. So, um, you know, Brent McMahon is great. Um, Jeff Simmons, you know, Jeff's a great, you know, local guy. And, you know, we, you know, as a one of the very few Canadian brands in this industry, you know, we're very one of only a handful of, you know, Canadian, you know, manufactured, owned brands you know we're really we look for canadian athletes you know we really want to support our own you know and watch you know our industry grow here so you know obviously jeff from penticton um you know sarah gross um nathan killam um even alicia even alicia k you know she lives in the states but she's a canadian she was born in the okanagan um so she's you know somewhat of a local girl yeah uh jen arnett who uh, raced you know, this past weekend in saint george had a great race there you know um had a flat, you know, she had a, and he was out for eight minutes changing a flat, you know, and still came in, you know, came back up, I think from 22nd, ran her way back into 10th, which was a great, you know, had she not lost the time, she mm. probably would have been, you know, right up, um, you know, potentially on the podium. You have read about it on her fitspeak.com website. You have seen it on her Facebook page. You have also seen it on her Instagram. And now it's time to tell you what it is all about. Our second F2C contest. This time we have partnered with Glenda from F2C and Angie from Dynamic Race Events for our very first race entry giveaway contest. Here's how it works. Head over to our FitSpeak Facebook page, upload a picture of you or you and your friends doing something amazing that involves health, wellness, or endurance sports, and use the hashtag FitSpeakContest with the caption that tells the world that you are crushing it. Make it funny, make it serious, but make it epic. Give us your best pick 
your best crushing it catchphrase and don't forget to smash that thumbs up and follow us. And here is our FitSpeak upcoming event schedule. It seems this Sunday, which is May the 28th, is likely the busiest day for race events ever in the Fraser Valley. For the folks in Pitt Meadows, the fourth annual Run, Walk and Roll is being held. That's a fundraiser for the Ridge Meadows Association for Community Living. It starts at 11 o'clock this Sunday, May the 28th, at the South Bonson Community Center. You can still register by going over to the Running Room website. And here's Zach with another running event this one happening in Abbotsford. May 28th is the Run for Water in Abbotsford, um, raising water for wells in Africa. Um, I've participated quite a few times over the years and it's always poured rain, but this weekend it's going to be beautiful and sunny out. They are offering a 5k fun run, 10k and half marathon. And Kevin Watts got the cycling update. On Sunday, May 28th, Matt Scott is at it again with the Valley Gravel Grind. Uh, held out in Abbotsford on the dikes. It's a 90 kilometer gravel ride, 1300 meters of non-paved climbing, and get this, it's only $5. All the details are on the Valley Grind, Gravel Grind Facebook page. And one other event to mention is the Positive Spin Cycle held out in Chilliwack on June 24th. You can find out all the details on Facebook or on their website and check this out. Two different distances, 100 kilometers and 200 kilometers, all for only $40. One of the cool things about being involved in endurance sports and having your own podcast is that quite often you get a chance to meet many of your heroes or folks who have done heroic things. Over the past few months, you've been introduced to many of them from the worlds of long-distance biking, swimming, and running. One of the pioneers and historians of the sport of triathlon is Bob Babbitt. Bob is one of the original people who did the Ironman race when it was just this silly thing being run on the big island of Hawaii in the early 1980s. But being one of the original and crazy Ironman isn't the only reason Bob Babbitt is in both the American and Ironman Triathlon Halls of Fame. He's also one of the people behind the highly successful Competitor Magazine and Rock and Roll Marathon series. He's also responsible for raising over $80 million for charity as the founder of the Challenge Athletes Foundation. In this series of FitSpeak interviews, we'll be spending some time listening to the stories and the messages that Bob Babbitt brings to the sport of triathlon, the business world, and the game of life. In episode 6, we reminisce with Bob about the time he spent with the legends of the sport of triathlon, Dave Scott and Mark Allen. This is Bob's Bits. Obviously, we've had a chance to interview legends of the sport. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of our listeners at Fitspeak would want to know. You've interviewed Mark Allen, Dave Scott, numerous times. Um, in the times that you've spent with them, whether it's on the phone or yeah. in person, um, what's their personalities like? How are they different? How are they the same? I mean, obviously out of California, obviously pioneers of the sport, obviously six-time Ironman winners. Right. Um, what but differences? Makes, what makes them special? for both of them. Well, Dave, early on with Dave, um, you know, his, one, his parents, Vernon Dot, were very special. And when I first started competitor, imagine, you 
No, my, uh, I've got a degree from University of Illinois, and I'm schlepping these free magazines around. My parents were like, this guy has gone down a bad path here. So we're in Chicago for the Chicago Triathlon, and I'm handing out magazines, and, and Dave's parents are there. And my dad is you know, there as well. And my, my parents, my dad meets uh, the Scots. Dave's mom says to my dad, you should be very proud, your son is going to do great things in this sport. And that sort of reaffirmed to him that, you know what, maybe this isn't, maybe there, there is something here. Maybe this isn't just some idiot wandering around handing out these magazines, but maybe there's a business here. Yeah. That was really important. And then with Dave, the, the moment that sticks out the most to me with Dave, besides the fact that, you know, think about the Iron War race. Right. You saw last His, he went 8:28 in 1986. He went 8:10 in 1989. He went 18 minutes faster than he'd ever gone before. He broke the run course record with his 2:41 by eight or nine minutes, and he lost on the greatest day he ever had. Mark Allen beat him, which was the way it should have been. Because throughout the 80s, those guys, you know, it was Mark winning everywhere else in the world and Dave Except, winning in Coney, yeah. right? And Dave, you know, Dave felt that was his turf. And so, in, you know, after Mark derailer broke in 82, uh, had a 13-minute lead and lost it in 84, had a five-minute lead in 87 and lost again. 88 flatted twice when Dave didn't race. Dave pulled out the night and before. And that's when Tinley won, right? No, 88 was Molina. Molina, right. Yep. So he pulled out the night before and, and uh, Mark had two flats and didn't win. And, and to me, I know Mark was ripped up about it, but in my opinion, it wouldn't have been right for him to win without beating Dave. Yeah. And so when, you know, I reached out to the two of them in, in uh, March of 89. Said guys, I want to do a photo shoot with the two of you. You know, showdown on the Kona Coast. Yeah. And Dave, like, no problem. Have Mark come here to Davis. We'll do the shoot. Uh -huh. And Mark's like, no problem. Have Dave come here to Boulder. We'll do the shoot. They weren't budget. Uh -huh. So Dave Epperson, our photographer, took a backdrop. And remember, this is '88. This is before a lot of photo composition. Yeah. Drove up to Davis. Drove to Boulder. Yeah. Shot the two of them separately, and we composed it on the cover. Showdown on the Kona Coast. Back to back, black and white. Pretty bitching. Uh, and then uh, what I learned later is Mark's, there's a legend over on the Big Island that if you bring lava home, it's bad. Bad juju. You don't want to bring it. You piss off Madame Palin. Yeah. So, and actually, the, vol the Volcano House Museum has uh, a case with lava rock and FedEx packages from people sending lava Returning back it because, because their parents were killed in a car crash. Oh, wow. All this bad stuff had yeah. happened to them, and they felt it was part because of lava. So I talked to the gal, and they said and they, they send gin with as well because that was Madame Pele's drink of choice. <laughs> And I so so, and then they also they always send a diagram of where they picked up the lava and ask us to bring it back there. Oh wow! And I said, so what do you do? So we kick the lava out the back door and we drink the gin. <laughs> so, anyways, before the '89 race, Mark's mom realized that on her shelf was a piece of lava rock that uh -huh. she had brought back from Tony years earlier. She brought it back that year. Didn't tell Mark uh -huh. until after race when he won. Wow! And he won for the first time. But to me, the fact that Dave. Went faster than he'd ever gone. Yeah. The fact that he did break his own course record by 18 minutes and lost 
was the way it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Mark Allen should not have won the Ironman title without beating Dave Scott yeah. on the best day he ever had. Yeah. And then, so when Dave came back in 94, I, people don't remember it now, but he hadn't raced in five years and people were laughing. He rolled his bike in, he had the shifters down on the bars and the down tubes, or everybody else had him on the end of the bars. And everybody's like, this Dave Scott, this dinosaur. Yeah. Until he, he was 40. Yeah, right. He was 40. <laughs> so he, he surges by Ken Glaude and Greg Welch to go into the lead early in the bike, and it's like, okay, he's back. But my favorite thing with Dave was is this was the year he came back, 94. And we're at the King Cam Hotel, and he's signing autographs. And um, a uh, uh, guy comes up, and you know, how, I don't know if you know, with, with the way Dave is, when Dave autographs something for you, he wants to know everything about you. Takes his time. Takes his time. Wants to know you. What's your name? Where are you from? Why are you here? What's your dog's name? You know, uh, tell me when you when you graduate high school. Everything. Yeah. And it's, it's great for the athlete, but the people who are working the booth, it's like sometimes the lines around the blocks, like, Dave, hey, come on, my clothes are going out of style here. Pick up the thing. Yeah. So anyways, this guy comes up, and he's got this scar. And he comes up, and so Dave starts his interrogation. So, you got your name? It's Jim. So, Jim, are you racing this year? No, I'm not racing, Dave. So, are uh, you here? You got relative racing? No, I'm not relative racing. You got a friend racing? No. So, what brings you here? Says Dave, I was in a motorcycle accident a number of years ago. And somehow a friend of mine got to you, and you called me three times in the hospital to see how I was doing. I vowed that if you ever raced again, I would be here to watch you race. Wow. And I just got chills, because that's Dave Scott. When yeah. David Bailey, who was a motocross guy, was paralyzed, one of the first guys to visit him in the hospital was Dave Scott. And Dave Bailey talks about how this epitome of sunshine you <laughs> walks into your room it's like this ray of sunshine coming in it's hard to feel bummed about what you're going yeah. through it's like oh my god Dave Scott's here to be with me wow very special the grip uh, watching the, being with Mark and seeing how tough he is mental. I mean if you watch video of him at the Nice Triathlon where he is basically out on his feet yeah. his eyes are sucking in the back was that the year they had speed on the Bike course? I'm not sure what they, all I know is Frank Shorter was doing the announcing and Mark was staggering. He still won. He still got there. And the other thing is Mark and I were working on a book uh, on the 87 Ironman. And it was called Mark Allen's Total Triathlon. And the whole idea was Mark had a uh, $100,000 package with Kellogg's when he became the Ironman champion. You know, it was Ironman food, a new cereal, which, of course, Dave wasn't very excited about that Mark Allen was forcing a cereal for an event he'd never won. Yes. Right. So anyways, Dave was, Dave, that relationship with them was prickly to begin with, but after that, that 87 year, they were sitting as close as we are, yeah. and then never made eye contact yeah. right, during the pro meeting. I mean, it was on. Yeah. They were, there, was, there was one prize and two who won it. Yeah. So that was really special. So Mark, in um, uh, 87, he ended up losing the race, ended up with internal bleeding, ended up in the hospital, and we were working on our book, right, which was supposed to be about him winning the race. Uh -huh. So he was on a beach in Kauai or Maui, dictating into the little micro cassettes, yeah. right? And 
basically sharing everything. And I, from the race? From not just the race, but everything he went through. It's okay. just, you know, he was, after the race, he's you know, reading a paper with Dave Scott. It's like, you know, Dave, Mark needs nah. to learn to do his own race. Quit yeah. sitting on my feet. Uh, and go do your own thing. And so he goes, listen, I'm, I'm bleeding internally. I yeah. think I suffered enough. Yeah. And not doubting if he'd ever come back. Yeah. That was it. Mm -hmm. I'm done with this thing. And just the, the willpower that he has. Now, was that before he got into working with Brant Segundo? Uh, he was had, was working with Brant in 87, but 89 was really where, when he looked up in the sky mm. and saw the the, uh, the, uh, the the pastors or priests or, you know, the, he saw those guys up in the clouds. And, you know, he, he was saying to himself, None of, the, none of those guys care yes. that I'm doing the Ironman. They, they're happy with who they are. Yes. One guy's 103, one is another 102. Yes. And all they care about is being happy. I just need to be happy. Well, in 2003, to show you how that rivalry is still there. Uh -huh. I mean, now it's the it's they, they get along fine. But 2003, I did a thing with Mark and Dave at LA Tri Club. Mm -hmm. And we we're talking about we went through each year, and we're up to 89 now. And Mark's talking about looking up in the sky and seeing the muftis up in the clouds. And Dave just goes, "Cut the shit, Mark. You were just worried I was going to kick your ass again." And it was it cuts was, to it the quick. The room down. Yeah, but that's you know the two of them are different people. Yeah, Mark is very spiritual, and, and Dave is a is a seriously he's somebody who needs to train like three, four hours a day. Yeah. Just needs to, for his sanity. He yeah. needs to be working out all the time. We were traveling once in uh, San Paulo, no, at uh, the triathlon down in Brazil, in Santos, and um, there's a little pool on the roof that was maybe 15 yards long, <laughs> maybe. And so Dave would be like, okay, Bob, we're gonna swim, and we're gonna swim 20 lengths, and I'm gonna, uh, you're gonna swim, you're gonna swim 20, and I'm gonna swim 30. And I'm going to try to beat you. It's like everything was a race. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he won every time. Of course. Yeah, of yeah. course. That's just the way Dave is. And now it's time for Fitspeak's Fit Tip of the Week. This time we're focusing between the ears. Here's Zach Newfeld. Thanks, Kevin. Last time I talked about mental imagery and before that I talked about pressure now I'm gonna move on we're gonna talk about reframing um, like I said last last time I'm gonna focus on uh, dr. Miller's book performance under pressure that's where I get a lot of the information for this it's a he's a, uh, a doctor in clinical psychology and he does sports uh, psychology um, so here I've got thoughts shape our realities how we think creates our futures. You've probably heard of that before. So let's get intentional about how we use our thoughts. I'm going to give you some thinking tools to use in your, uh, to put in your mental toolbox for your next training workout or your next competition. So here's some pro approaches for feeling less pressure. Dr. Miller says the less need you have means you have less pressure. So what does this mean? If you uh, need to meet a requirement, the easier the requirement is or the more able you feel to meet that requirement, the less pressure you'll experience. So that's going to come in handy as we keep talking. It helps to work from preference rather than addiction. So what does he mean? What does Dr. Miller mean by addiction? To him, uh, he defined it as fear that you won't get the pleasure you need. 
what's that pleasure? It's uh, not winning or not succeeding. You get a little boost when you do well. And if you don't, that's fear. That's addiction. That's when pressure comes from it. We need to move towards accepting ourselves for who we are. Um, and Dr. Miller likes to refer to a, a dichotomy um, of human beings versus human doings. So what you do doesn't make or break who you are. Um, it gives us some space to work with here, and then we'll move on from there. Most of us um, think of ourselves as doers. What we do is who we are. We're totally focused on the task, and what we need to do is start from a positive appreciation for life. I love biking, or I love running, etc., and then move from there. Move to the task. We're going to embrace the situation and focus on the goal. So we're going to make a goal. We're going to take back our power. Um, and then we're going to ease into it. We're going to feel like we're going to succeed instead of having to succeed. So what you're going to do is you're going to define what you want to do. Make a goal first. And even just knowing that you have a goal will reduce uncertainty and you'll have less negative motivational pressure. Then we'll do what Dr. Miller calls programming. It's facilitating a quest to a goal. So these are things that include self-talk, how do you talk to yourself, imagery, what you're seeing, um, and just your general attitude. This is the head work that really is involved in focus, power, and ease. Moving on, who are you and what are you about? Um, it's important to think I am and I can, not I'm not and I can't. No negativity. I can't, I doubt, I don't, I'll blow it. Well, I'll try. Be mindful of these things. If you, if you, you, you shouldn't let yourself, and I try not to let myself, um, think about my, talk to myself in a way that I wouldn't let my friends talk to me. So keep that in mind. Um, thinking ne negatively might be true or it might not be, but the key thing is it's not going to help you succeed. Think affirmational paragraphs like, I'm a good man or I'm a good woman, and then come up with supports for it. You might actually have to convince yourself on some things. Um, I told myself at one point I did an Ironman. Um, another time I said to myself, I'm going to do well in university because I finished high school. So these are things that we kind of already do, but you can be conscious of it and really work with it. Um, another thing you can do is create a statement. When I perform my best, I, and then fill in the gap. I get my daily to-do list completed with time to spare. Or when I perform my best, I have uh, revelations of personal growth every day. Then there are general positive statements we can do like, I am in control, I can handle it, or for the football fans out there, the inches I need are all around me. You can also be a little bit creative and say, energy flows where my thoughts go, things like that. Ways to really get your thoughts moving intentionally. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about is dimensions of, of perspective here. So there's second and third person too. Um, in second person, you say, you are a strong runner. You prefer to run fast. You prefer more to run fast than to go slow. So you're talking to somebody. And then in third person, you're talking about yourself. Zach has nice high swimming elbows or Zach has nice high uh, knees when he's running. You're really building yourself up. Remember that pressure is feeling or thinking that you may not have the resources to meet a challenge that you're responsible for. You feel like you have to meet a requirement. So we want to shift from a self-doubt and feeling like we aren't good enough to believing in our ability and feeling prepared because we really are, but we're just scared by intentionally programming our thoughts. 
So we're not going to say, I've got to, we're going to say, I love to, we're not going to say, I need to, we're going to say, I prefer to. So work those keywords into your state, your power statements and listen to what your mind is already saying. You don't want to say need, don't want to say I have to. After all, we do sports because we want to, we compete because we want to win. This is thinking positively, not negatively. It's not helpful, helpful to train because we're afraid of being out of shape or competing because we're afraid of being a failure. Let's keep it positive. Cut yourself some slack. Be thankful. Be prepared. Feel prepared because you are and stay hungry. Thanks, Kevin. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak. This week, I'd like to thank Kevin Watt, along with our newest member of FitSpeak, Zach Newfeld, and our featured guest interviewee, F2C Nutrition owner, Greg Cohen. Just one more reminder of the TriJoy Try for 50 promotion, a one-on-one consulting session, a four-week triathlon training program, plus weekly consultation with a TriJoy coach for only $50. That's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Check out the TriJoy link on our FitSpeak homepage. Join us next time when we'll hear part two of our interview with Greg Cohen from F2C. And don't forget to enter the F2C contest on the FitSpeak Facebook page for your chance to win an entry to a Dynamic Race Events Triathlon. That's it for now. I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.